What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 61 of One Before I Die. Huge shout out for number 61 this week. Kind of um, out of nowhere, but shout out Justin Zimmer. I mean, plays perfectly into this episode number considering the game that just happened against the New England Patriots, which we will obviously be talking about. Another quick shout out to, I don't want to forget my boy Max Muffinaginoff, just an all-time, one of my favorite savers, number 61. So I had to give those... Two, uh, two shout-outs real quick there to start off the epi. Um, but like I said, we're obviously going to be talking about that game against the New England Patriots that the Bills came on top of, 24-21. to 21. We got the Seattle Seahawks next week. It'll be a tough, dicey one, but we'll uh, look into that a little bit. Um, and then also, trade deadline. Today at 4 p.m. You guys are listening to this on Tuesday, obviously, so that's today at 4 p.m., Maybe by this point, Brandon Bean has made a move. Maybe he hasn't. We'll kind of talk about what's been uh, what's gone down at the, at the deadline so far. What trades have been made, and uh, we'll talk about if you know we think the Bills will make one. You know who they should go for that kind of thing. But that's also approaching. Um, and then obviously we just finished Week Eight, so we're halfway through this football season. We'll do a little bit of a you know first half recap here. You know. Talk about how the Bills did, our thoughts on that first season. We'll look ahead to the second half of the year because, you know, it's kind of going fast like it always does, but we're kind of uh, we're right at that midway point. And, you know, a lot of football left, but we're, we're getting close to the finish line. So kind of a nice little episode here, maybe a little bit of change of pace with the trade deadline, midseason thoughts, but I'm ready and excited to get into it. Um, so without further ado, let's get Ethan introduced and let's get this thing going. What's up, Ethan? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. How you doing? <laughs> I'm freezing. You know, I been. I don't know if I mean, you know. I don't know if the listeners know, but I've been woke up today. My furnace isn't working in my apartment. You know, Monday work from home day for me. I've just been full on shivering on my laptop all day, just in my head. I haven't really been able to soak in a victory Monday. I've been got you know just. I'm freaking cold, and I my feet are cold. My hands are cold. I'm trying to work on my laptop. I got gloves on. Calling this furnace guy. He's supposed to be here between three and six. It's six now. He hasn't gotten back to me. Might be sleeping with like four thousand blankets on me today. But um, if if I you know, and I had some meetings right in the in the three o'clock you know time slot. So 
I had a couple of them from between three and five and every meeting I have to start with saying, Hey, sorry, I got like furnace issues going on in my apartment right now. So if I, if I unexpectedly like hang up mid meeting, it's because I got to go help my handyman. And I had to do that whole rigmarole for two hours. So I'm telling the listeners right now, if I dip out mid podcast, it's because the furnace guy's here. So, so now uh, you have furnace broken approaching winter. I don't know if the listeners or you remember, but I had, we had AC broken in the middle of the summer, you know, a few months ago, we just can't get it right. I mean, what would you rather, what would you like rather have furnace broken? In what winter? would you make, what would make you squeeze the cheeks more? Yeah, that's, that should be, <laughs> uh, we haven't done a squeezing the cheeks in a while. I think that's the squeezing the cheeks has to be is, would you rather, and the listeners, I want you to chime in here. Would you rather have broken AC in the summer? or broken furnace in the winter. Cause obviously they both are brutal. My original thoughts is like, at least in the, in the winter, if you have broken furnace, like you can put in, put on as many clothes as possible. I mean, obviously you're still gonna be squeezing cheeks and you're gonna be cold as hell. But in, in the summer, if you have broken AC, there's only so much, you know, you can't cool yourself really down anymore that you can kind of control getting warmer, right? Like, I don't know. That's a tough one. What are your, I don't know from experience, from my experience today, Broken furnace is brutal. I mean, and it's like high 40s in Chicago right now, so it's and not that, even yeah, like part of winter. That's true. And it's also like the other fact, like one of my least favorite things in the entire world is when that alarm goes off in the morning, you got to wake up for work and you roll out of bed and you're like cold and you have to get into your shower. Like I would yeah. rather be like dripping sweat getting into the shower than absolutely frigid. Yeah. Like, and like I was throwing, I was throwing on gloves, like typing with gloves on today. And it was like, it's the way of everything. it was like 58 degrees in my apartment. I just couldn't shake the cold. It was really getting to my mindset. You know, at work, I was like, ah, I'm freaking cold. <laughs> you also have to like, like you said, you have to let the people on your meetings know that if you get <laughs> yeah. up, like you also have to let them know. It's like, all right, if like I'm going pale over here or if like you see me with like a winter coat on, like that's why, like, don't, you know, don't worry about it. Luckily they weren't in zoom. So they were just like oh, okay. over the phone, but I had to let him know, like, I might hang up, like, mid-sentence because this guy's calling me and I can't stand this cold anymore. All right. Well, enough about that talk. But if Ethan does get up mid-podcast, you, you at least know why. Um, and if you, like, if you hear, like, some shivering going on or something, you know that's why Ethan's over there. He's, he's absolutely freezing right now. Um, but let's talk about what we're here to talk about. The Buffalo Bills played the New England Patriots on Sunday, obviously. The first uh, game against them this year, our second one comes in, I believe, the second to last week of the season uh, against the Pats. So we came out on top of this one, 24-21. It was, this is a fact that I, that I was absolutely astonished. I was astonished before the game started. They hit me with on the broadcast. That was the first time we beat the Pats at home since 2011, which is, I had no idea that was a, like that was the... The, the drought, I guess you could call it. That's absolutely crazy. Um, but the Bills did win 24-21 only by a field goal. I believe the spread was like three and a half, four. So depending on what you got it at, you might have covered. Maybe you didn't bet it, whatever. Um, but I think Ethan and I both predicted around the score to be around that. I think Ethan predicted the Bills to win like 21-17 to or something around that. I predicted, obviously, the Bills to lose 24-17. to So we were right in that range. Um, but I'm glad I was wrong. It was, you know, obviously the bills came out on top, but there's definitely still, you know, a lot of things to, to talk about this game. Um, it, the first thing I guess I want to start out with is something that's been on my, on my mind ever since this game started and kind of went through and finished was the whole O-line, the offensive line situation. 
Um, I think that's a good starting point of this game what, is because this game started with Mitch Morsabi starting at center and he ended up getting hurt, I believe, early in that first drive that we had the ball and we went down and scored. Now, when Mitch Morse gets hurt, Bates comes in, right? That second-year guy from Penn State, he comes in to play center. Feliciano back, also huge. Like, shout-out Feliciano. He had an absolute monster game, in my opinion. I absolutely love having him back on the offensive line. I think he contributed to that run game a hell of a lot more than we, you know, even knew he, he did, you know, him coming back. But anyway, Bates comes in. They go down and march down and score, running the ball pretty much the whole way. It seemed like the offensive line dominated that whole drive. And then the next drive, they come out on offense, and Bodiger's in the game. And Bates isn't in the game, and Feliciano's moved to center. Now, I didn't like that move, and it ended up being okay. I didn't really see too many flaws in Bodiger's game or the O-line really in general throughout the rest of the game. But it's, it didn't make any sense to me. For one, I don't like Bodiger as a player. And for two, I like Feliciano at the guard position more than the center position because I think he's better for run blocking and I think he's just better at that position and he's more dominant. He was great at center, but I think he's a natural guard, obviously, and I, I like him there better. This kind of goes in full circle with the whole Quentin Spain issue and, and something I want to bring up about Sean McDermott. I think Sean McDermott is, is stubborn and that's kind of one of his flaws as a coach. And this we'll, we'll also talk about the defensive side of the ball with AJ Klein, but it seems like he wants, he does, he makes decisions, decisions, and he like wants to prove fans or whoever's on the outside looking in wrong, and he'll stick to his guns no matter what is going down. It's the whole Spain situation. No one knows what happened with him, right? He he ends up getting signed by the Bengals. I, he looked like he played a pretty good game with them. They beat the Titans this week. He started that for them right off the bat. Spain was one of my favorite offensive linemen. No one knows what happens. Everyone thinks it was an internal issue. Who knows if Sean McDermott had something to do with that. Then this whole O-line situation that happened on Sunday, it's like we literally had our best drive of the game that first drive when Bates was in and Bodiger wasn't and Feliciano was at guard. And then we automatically switch it and the offense you know, wasn't bad, I, I wouldn't say, the entire game, but it, it was definitely just a weird move that was unwarranted in my opinion. So is he like trying to prove something wrong? Does he like see something in Bodiger's game that – no one else sees, but it's at some point it's got to be addressed because literally every one online and everyone and and I know I'm the first one to say that we don't know what's going on inside you know the coaching staff room and and we don't know you know what they see on on, on the practice field whatever, but when at some point when it's like a hundred percent of the fan base usually there's something to disagree on when it's usually a hundred percent of the people saying the exact same thing there's got to be something going on with the offensive line coach with McDermott with whatever that they're just stubborn to like let something play out. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were on the offensive line or if you had any, but that was something that kind of rattled me from the beginning of the game. <clears throat> I thought the exact same thing. Uh, I don't know if I have too much to add to what you just said because, I mean, I feel pretty much the same way as you do. Between the offensive line this year and a lot of the defensive decision-making, um, I really don't have answers for I don't understand a lot of these moves. The Quentin Spain thing, I think we kind of beaten into the ground before. We don't understand what the deal is with that, why he got released. He was so good for us last year. What changed between now and then? Um, and then you see him start right away for the Bengals. I don't, I don't understand what happened with that. 
I completely agree. I don't understand what was going on with the shuffling at line. You got Feliciano back. He's easily your best guard. Why mess around with that at all? Um, the bigger the bigger issue outside of that is Mitch Morris has, is in the concussion pro- protocol, which is huge. I mean, he's probably been our most consistent, I think, offensive lineman throughout the year so far. And, you know, he's, he's, the, he's the center, the play caller, or like the captain of that line, so to speak. So that's going to be a huge issue. But, I mean, I agree. I don't – is McDermott stubborn? Um, I, I really don't have an answer for it. I don't, I don't know what else to say at this point. Just kind of got to roll with it. He's going to do what he thinks is best for the team. Uh, whether or not I agree with it, I guess, is a different story. And it seems like it's almost like you were saying, unanimous on the fan side, on, on the confusion on what's going on there. Um, I don't know. Was was Bates or Bottinger? Did they do they that do they not know how to play center? Or you know, I don't I don't know what the deal is I there. Mean, like Bates was like, I'm pretty sure on the depth chart, like a backup center, and that like I said, like that's literally what he came in for when Morse got hurt. And on Zach Moss's touchdown run on that first drive, Bates had an unreal block. Like it was him and Feliciano leading the way on that run, which gave him an absolutely gaping hole to walk into the end zone. So. I know this. The other thing is, is like you can look at it, and after the game, kind of it's kind of hard to, I guess, argue because I, it was by far our best, you know, running game, uh, you know, on the ground by our running backs, and um, just running the ball in general is our best game by far. So it's like kind of like a, I don't know, like maybe we're being pessimist because we obviously ran the ball the best there. But look at the tape against against the uh, who we played last week before um, against the Jets when Bodiger like stepped in, like he was getting blown off the ball and we couldn't run against them. So I don't know. I, I like Feliciano at guard. He's just, he's just an absolute animal out there. You know, he like, he made a complete difference. Like just him being at center, even that's, I think the main reason why we could run the ball a lot more. And maybe he just, they like him at center because he can support both sides, I guess. I, I don't know what, whatever the case may be. It kind of just, you know, got me, got me in my feels a little bit. But the thing um, is I like Feliciano pulling. That's you know, what I mean, right? So I, that was like one of the things I think I brought up a few episodes ago when we were talking about getting him back. Is one of his strengths is getting him out on the outside in front of her back with a little, you know, steam in front of him. Yeah, he's he's a good puller and he's a mean guy. So I, that takes away a huge part of his game, I think, and a huge uh, strength of his if you if you don't throw him at the guard slot. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, but like I said, it was our best game on the ground. That's also something I wanted to bring up was Singletary and Moss. It was finally like the first game where they actually looked good as like a combo. Uh, you know, we've talked about this at the beginning of the season and how we you know, always were saying, yeah, you know, Singletary should get way more of the reps. Maybe Moss was hurt at the beginning of the season. Now he came back healthy. Um, I still like don't I don't think he looked like unreal or anything. I don't think Singletary did either, but it was at least good to see them kind of find their groove. They both had 14 carries uh, even, so they pretty much split it right down the middle. They both had over 80 rushing yards. Moss, of course, had the two TDs, but it looked like that was like what I kind of like imagined when we drafted Zach Moss and when we talked about the draft and getting a running back in the draft. Like that's what my whole offseason uh, you know, image in my head was of having a two-headed backfield was what we did on Sunday, just kind of mixing them both in, keeping it fresh legs. Like, that. that's the main key, I think, is they both are very fresh, and um, it just seemed like we were able to push uh, push the ball a lot more.
But I think that also brings up what we have to talk about is this Patriots team that they trotted out there on Sunday was just a hobbled group. And the fact that we only won by three points is kind of concerning. Um, I mean, Stefan Gilmore didn't play. They had another couple, you know, notable injuries on their defense. Um, I don't know. I don't think the offense looked terrible. I thought they were like moving the ball pretty well, but I feel like he's still got to put up more than 24 points against that hobbled of a defense, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, the thing I want to talk about that I don't think a lot of people are talking about that was a play that obviously was massive down the course of this game was the Gabe Davis drop. And I think this is a completely different story down the line, right? Obviously Zimmer comes up with the probably, I mean, undoubtedly the biggest play of the game, right? That sealed the game for us. But if Gabe Davis catches that touchdown pass, I think we're singing a different tune here. You know, that also shows up on Allen's stat line. Um, I mean, Allen put that ball on the money. That was just a straight-up drop yeah. by Gabe Davis and something that we haven't seen out of him throughout this year. He's, you know, usually, characteristically, that's a surefire play for Gabe Davis. Say what you want about the guy. He doesn't really drop many passes. And I, I don't know. I, I was not yeah, I was the not impressed by concerning. the offense. Yeah. I was not impressed by it, but I wouldn't say it was our worst offensive performance of the season if you look at some of the games that we had recently. Um, they weren't the issue that I saw with this game. Obviously, it was more the defensive side of the ball. And I do want to say, though, we started off very well on defense, I thought, right? We came out firing, held them to six points in the first half. Probably should have even been three, right, if Allen doesn't throw the interception right before the half that that gives them another field goal opportunity there. Um, but then in the second half, you know, it was a different story. And I think the tail of the tape here um, what I've kind of just grown accustomed to this NFL season, you know, you, you got a lot of Corona rolling around. You got a lot of uncertainty. It's a way different than the normal flow of things. I don't know what it is, but it seems like you look around the league and week to week, there's just so much variation. I think, right. You could, I think every year in the NFL that happens, right. Yeah. Everybody is, it's, it's every, after every week you got the analysts saying, Oh, this team's dead or this team's going to the Super Bowl, and then the next week happens, and you know you get a crazy upset, and now this other team's back, whatever. But this year, I think it's even more crazy. And when you, when push comes to shove, the Bills beat the Patriots, right? Which we haven't done in what you what you just said, what forever, and we're six to two, leading the AFC East. I think this week is is kind of a more week to week mindset. You got to have that week to week mindset more than any other year. And I think that's what McDermott's kind of been preaching. And over the past couple of weeks, a lot of the reporters, a lot of the media members are probably saying, okay, I guess oh, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't understand it. But I think maybe that that mindset is kind of taking the bills where they are today. Cause I mean, you got, you see a lot of these teams, right? Everybody's worried about how they look overall, but when push comes to shove, it comes down to the wins and losses. And I think that the mentality that, the Bills are going into every week is just, you know, just got to win this one game, just got to win this one game, just got to win this one game. It really doesn't matter when the course of the season's over. And I think we had the same conversation last year, right? And Bills fans love to um, scrutinize, and, and we've, we're, we do that all the time, right? Me and you are never satisfied with the last couple of weeks especially, but I think this week is, or this year, excuse me, in general is just crazy. And the Bills are 6-2. They beat the Pats. Defense has a lot of work to go, and I and I hope that a lot of things 
or at least some things on that defensive side are addressed in the trade deadline uh, today, right? Because this is airing tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. So <laughs> <laughs> just had to do a little mental, mental math in my head there. But I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy. I'm happier than I was last week. But I, I just, I don't oh, know. Because you haven't been able to focus. Like, you've been freezing over there, so you haven't been able to focus on, right like, on, like, Victory Monday. Yeah. But, but no, no, I agree. To piggyback off what you said, like, it, every year is a week-to-week league, but especially now more than ever. Um, just for, like, you know, a little bit of clarity here, the Titans lost to the Bengals, right, Sunday. Right. The, pa- the Packers lost to the Vikings. The Rams lost to a Tua-led Dolphins, Dolphins team who did golf looked horrible. Golf looked horrible. Tua didn't even throw for a hundred yards. So there has been a ton of parity in the league this year. Even I mean, more the, so the Browns put up six points against the Raiders, who have probably yeah, one of the worst like defenses in the league. Yeah, yeah. I actually bet Raiders money line. Thank you very much. Uh, if you followed me on uh, the one before I die TikTok page, you would have cashed <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I hundred percent. Like it, that's why after the game two, I didn't feel as you know, worse as, you know, a lot of people are saying, or I don't know if a lot of people are saying, whatever. It's just, we got the win, and I think a lot of people were saying that, all right, it's the Patriots. We haven't beat them at home since 2011. Um, it's the first time in a while that we're actually, you know, taking this division by storm, and and the next team that's behind us isn't even the Patriots anymore. It's like, we, we don't have to worry about the Dolphins. So, it was definitely a great step in the right direction. Um, but, but like you said, I do hope, like the defense, I, I hope the something's addressed at the deadline and the one the one other thing i want to talk about defensively about this game and this has kind of been the whole season but more so this is just like another mcdermott thing when i was going back um offensively calling him stubborn i think it's goes all the way through with uh, with the defense a little bit and that's specifically with aj klein and that's another guy that i think is unanimous i can't i can't get into this like you unanimously you know not liked horrible the outside factors Horrible. and the fans looking in. And the one thing I wanted to bring up was what McDermott said about him after the game. Because like I said, a lot of people are like asking McDermott about him because he's been clearly our worst player on defense and we need to, we need to do something about it. And I, I don't, you know, Tyrell Dodson's on the IR Milano is active, but he's like not really playing every snap, whatever the case may be. He's playing a lot, AJ Klein. And what pissed me off the most is McDermott after the game, says that he feels AJ Klein has an incredible amount of resiliency and calls him a valuable, a very valuable member of the team. Like that just sounds so tone deaf to me when he is clearly in my eyes and not just me, like everyone that he's probably our you know, worst factor on D. So for McDermott to back him up and say that just gives me like scaries that he's just going to keep riding with this guy and, you know, and just go with him. So I don't, I saw what he said as well. You, what you did and I've kind of felt the same way. And I know, initially. and I know, and I know but, he can't like bash him or whatever, but he doesn't what have I'm to say, but he doesn't have to say that like what he did say, he, you know what I mean? But like the thing he said, he wasn't saying he's like our best player. He said he has resiliency. And if anything, he, he does, a, he said he's a very valuable member of the team. Like you don't okay, have to say that, but that's no, I, I completely disagree with that. I would, I would rather my coach come out and say, even if this guy sucks, right? You guys just won a football game. It, imagine the, what that sets to the locker room. Like, if, if you're a player in that locker room and you just see your head coach go in front of the media and just say, like, this guy's not good. Like, what do you want him to say? Well, I, no, I'm not expecting him to say that, but I, I think it, but it's different when he says that and then 
he clearly means it because he's playing him all the time. Like if he backed it up by like, if he, if he kind of like, you can, you can toe the line and not say he's a valuable member. Cause that just gives to me that he's going to, that he has trust in him and they don't want to replace him, which, which they haven't done. Like, it just doesn't seem right. I would say, let's wait to see what happens tomorrow before we make any more judgments on AJ Klein. If tomorrow goes by, they don't trade for a linebacker. Then I'm hundred percent with you. It shows that he, and Brandon Bean, well, it's more Brandon Bean, right? He's the one making yeah. all these decisions here. Says that Brandon Bean also endorses AJ Klein to play because Milano's. You've called him out. I mean, you've you've seen it. We've all seen it. Milano's not playing every down like he did at the beginning of the season and all of last season. There, he's clearly, I think, not a hundred percent. Yeah, and I they think, don't want to risk him. Maybe I, I think Leslie Frazier and, and McDermott realize that AJ Klein even though they keep playing him, they realize that he's absolutely horrible in passing situations. Like, god-awful. So they're like, all right, Milano, we're not going to throw you out here on first and second down or like on a you know a second and two situation where it's a clear running down because we don't want you to have to just c- continue to take hit after hit after hit. And it's not, your, it's not his strong... It's not Milano's strong suit, right? He's good. He's good in the run, but he's not... His strong suit is not stopping a halfback dive up the middle. His strong suit is getting sideline to sideline, covering a running back out of the backfield, using his speed, his quickness, his agility to make a play. So they're probably saying, all right, we're going to use Milano in clear passing situations where he's going to have to cover a running back. He's going to have to cover a tight end. He's going to drop back in zone, maybe blitz. They're not going to use AJ Klein in those situations because obviously he's the slowest player on on the football field every time. But I think what happens tomorrow or during the dread deadline today, the Bills don't get another linebacker, not only for depth, but to prevent A.J. Klein from seeing as many snaps as he is now. Then I agree with you. I think that shows that Bean and McDermott either, one, trust him more than I think that they actually do, and maybe his comments are a little bit more than, w- than what I think and maybe align more to what you're saying here. Or two, I don't know what the market is for a linebacker right now. I don't know who's available. So, I, I don't know. I, yeah. they, if I was Brandon Bean, I'm doing anything I can to get a linebacker tomorrow. Well, yeah, and, I, and real quick, I also think that they're, they're trusting him of what I guess I like what I'm seeing of like his comments and just the way the season's played out so far is, and maybe they've been trying to go after someone throughout the season. They haven't been able to still. Um, but it, it just speaks to me the way they went into the season in general. Like, I feel like they already, like before the season even started, had a ton of trust in AJ Klein going into the season with the linebacker depth we, depth we had, like knowing Milano has injury issues, knowing that it's basically Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Milano, and then Klein's the third guy. And they didn't really have anyone behind there to begin with. So it's like they, it's like they almost like plan for like Klein getting in the, you know, getting reps at some point. Absolutely. I mean, they signed him in free agency. So that, that he was the plan. And, I mean, Bean's just got to accept, and Bills fans just got to accept it that he just straight up missed on that signing. I mean, yeah. he missed. There's there's no question about it. I mean, he's made some absolutely phenomenal plays and signings and trades since he took over the the role, but he just straight up missed on this signing. And I, if we don't get a linebacker at the deadline, it's gonna be it's gonna hurt down the stretch and. You look at the Avery Williamson trade that happened uh, earlier today. He was a guy that I thought that would fit nicely for the Bills. 
I would have done that trade if I was Bean. I don't know if the Jets were like, I'm not trading with the Bills because they're in our division and the Steelers are going to give us what they want anyway. But that's the kind of deal that I'm looking for out of Bean. I don't, again, I don't know who's available on the linebacking market. Um, hand up, I'm not a linebacker guy. I, I don't really know the linebackers around the league. I know the good ones. I don't know the unsung heroes. Like I don't know who's the Matt Milano on the Dallas Cowboys or whoever. But um, there needs to be – the way that I see it going forward, right, we just talked about how the Bills are 6-2. and two. And I just talked about how it's a week-to-week league. You still got to address the holes, right? As a GM, you can't be satisfied with just hanging on winning these game, games, right? When you're at a point where you're 6-2 and two halfway through the season, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, what do I need to do as a GM to put my team in a situation where making the playoffs is not a question? It's reality, right? 6-2... and two, and missing the playoffs cannot be an option this year. It just can't be. 6-2 and not winning the division almost can't be an option with how you look at how things are panned out so far. So you got to look at the full slate of games, right? The full scope, the full eight games that we've played so far, and seriously take a look and say, how I can't waste the season that we've put together so far. And I need to make sure that I can do everything in my power to put my team in the best position to be successful in the playoffs moving forward. Because this is it. This is our roster going forward after tomorrow until free agency after the Super Bowl. And I seriously think that you need to make defensive moves, right? I'm completely fine offensively. I know we haven't been that first four weeks offense over the last couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm fine with our offense. I think, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll get back to there. I'm confident that we'll, we'll, you know, we've we've had some crappy weather, some crappy game day timing, some injuries on the offensive side. We're fine offensively. Josh will be there. We'll we'll get rolling offensively. I, I'm not worried about that. But defensively, when you take a major step back like we have, you can't be satisfied sitting here at six and two, especially since you're six and two. You're six and two, based on you know without having your defense play at a high level and be a, you know be that defense that we're, we were last year. You got to say, if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm not letting this defense ruin my season. And I, I'm going out and I'm getting a player at each level in that defense. I'm getting a defensive back, hopefully a corner to play opposite of Trey White. Really wanted Desmond King, but I saw he went to the Titans. I don't know who else is out there. I'm getting a corner. I'm getting a linebacker, which I just talked about. And I'm getting some sort of defensive line help. I think you need a player at each of those positions, not only for depth, but for just to performance, play. to play, to, to get some guys that should not be playing in an everyday role off the field. 100% agree. All three of those, uh, all three of those positions are of need for the Bills. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, that, that's what I was going to say. Let's talk deadline here. Obviously, you just went on that whole, the whole rant, which I completely agree with. I just wanted to say Quan Alexander is one guy on the 49ers that got dealt to the uh, Saints. So he was someone that I don't know if the Bills were on their radar or whatever. He he seems like a, he's a he's a pretty solid linebacker. Um, that uh you know he's off the market now. Like you said, Desmond King got traded to the Titans. So I don't know. Like you said, you know I don't know who these other linebackers or cornerbacks or defensive linemen are that are on the block. Um, the Cowboys obviously cut Don Terry Poe and a cornerback. I forgot his name. 
this past week. Don Terry Poe, he's been great in his past with the Chiefs and with some other teams. I guess he's sucked this year. I don't know. I haven't watched him a lot, but hey, maybe you make a stab at him and sign him as a strict run, you know, run filler. He's a big dude that you can just put on the D line. Um, but yeah, we need like I don't think it's a it's a very you know I think it's pretty obvious what we need is is the defense. Our offense will be fine, like you said, and I think it's pretty obvious that um, it, that B needs to go out and make these moves. I've seen a lot of people on social media today kind of say like basically telling everybody to relax like they're treating the de- this deadline like the nhl deadline um like oh it's a lot different this year it's it, the reason it's different is because the bills are usually not in this situation where we're six and two with an actual legit contending team where we have some holes that we need to fill in order to get to that next level i feel like that's why it's like coming at us coming at us in different waves this year and people are not used to it but now the you know the fact of the matter is we have a good offense we have a solid core we have you know decent pieces on defense, but we still have a lot of holes to fill. And yeah, that's why a lot of fans are going to go out and say, we need these positions because if we get them, we have a chance. It's because we're six and two. Right. Right. And we have a chance. We're leading the division. We're doing, you know, things right. And if we go out and get these players, that's why we're kind of freaking out a little bit more because we know watching these games that we're not going to be able to compete with the higher level teams. If we have the same defense, Um, I want to say one, I mean, before we keep, you know, talking about the trade deadline here is, I mean, we have to acknowledge, and this kind of goes, I guess, hand in hand is because I'm saying this, I'm saying all this stuff If we need these defensive pieces. I'm big on D line. That's my number one priority. And that's despite like what happened on, on Sunday with Justin Zimmer. Like I'm going to give him a huge shout out, right? He absolute unreal play. He literally sealed the deal. If he doesn't strip that sack there, I, you know, I tweeted this after the game or sorry, not sack, but strip cam on that run there. I mean, there was no shot we were stopping them. They were running on us at will, and they were going to take that lead and score a touchdown, if not kick a field goal, I'm convinced of it. So huge shout to Justin Zimmer. But, you know, he's clearly those, the guys that are on the roster right now aren't the guys that are getting the job done because if that doesn't happen there, they go down and score easily. So we still need those pieces. Um, I don't know if you're going to hop in there with something, but it's, it's like exactly what you said. Like we're six and two now. And that's the reason we're going after these guys, because we have a legitimate chance at making a run here and, and just, you know, wrapping this division up, you know, halfway through the season. No. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else to add to that. Yeah. So Bill's six and two halfway through the season. Um, I guess those are kind of our overall thoughts on how the first half went. Um, I mean, we said this last week, but this game on Sunday was kind of a must win, especially with the Patriots and the way they were considering our schedule coming up. So I guess looking ahead to that, we have the Seahawks next week, as I said, at the beginning of the show. And then after that, you know, we got the Cardinals, we got, who else we got? The Chargers, the, the 49ers who are banged up now. I think Garoppolo's got hurt for like six weeks, which, you know, might be a difference maker in that game. But then we still got, you know, the Dolphins at the end of the schedule, the Patriots again. Um, and so it, it's we got still the Steelers a, still the Steelers forgot about them. Yeah. So it's still a gauntlet coming up here. Um, so, I mean, looking ahead, you know, it, it's not, a, it's not a seal the deal type thing yet. And that's why we just went on those rants about why we need to fill up the holes that we have, but specifically I mean, next week against the Seahawks. Wait, first off, before we get to elaborate on what you just said here, got eight games left, right? And just, just looking at it from a bird's eye perspective, I would say six out of the eight games, at least five, five out of the eight games could be serious, like hard losses. 
where the Bills, I don't think, will be favored in them. And then you look at, uh, maybe not anymore because of the Garoppolo injury and the George Kittle injury. The Niners are going to be a different team. But I think there's a lot of, this is, the, this is a gauntlet of a second half. And like you said, it starts off hot with the Seahawks, who I think are the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah, you're not alone. Definitely not alone on that. And the Cardinals, who just beat the Seahawks, right? You got those two games before you head into your bye. These are monumental games. I think you need a split here at minimum. Because then you got Chargers, who are better than their record. I'm just going to say they're better than their record. The Niners... Went to the Super Bowl last year. They have a great head coach. Their defense is playing out of their mind, and I think a lot of people are still going to sleep on them with those injuries. Steelers, probably second or third best team in the NFL right now. They're the only undefeated team right now, but I would say them and the Seahawks and the Chiefs are like the cream of the crop right now in the NFL. Um, And then... Broncos who are Broncos are going to be good. People are going to sleep on the Broncos second half. They're going to be good. I mean, they just they had a really nice comeback win against the Chargers yesterday. I think Drew Locke's going to turn it up for them. I think people are going to sleep on the Broncos because of how bad they looked at the start of the season because of the Drew Locke injury. I think they'll be back. And then you got the Pats Dolphins to round it out and you know AFC East is I don't care what the state is of the Patriots. That game's going to be a gauntlet and it's going to be in Foxborough, different story. Pats could be back at that point. You know, the, the Pats could rattle off four or five wins here and get right back into the race, and that could be a massive game for them. And then the Dolphins, don't sleep on the Dolphins. I'm telling you right now, Bills fans, do not sleep on the Dolphins. You'll, you'll be really sorry because this team is only, what, two games back, I think, behind us? And they got a lot of momentum. And that defense is low-key kind of good. And if Tua plays... I know that he didn't really have an awesome stat line yesterday, but if he kind of gets a flow and you know gets going and becomes kind of what everybody projected him to be in the NFL, they could be a sleeper team to make the playoffs, and that could be another massive game for them. And I, you know, I just I just think this second half is is going to be no joke. So I, I, let's get right into it. Sorry to cut you off. I just kind of wanted to run through that and, and just accentuate, you know. There's not really any gimmies in the second half of the season. Every game is going to be a battle. I don't really see the Bills being heavy favorites in any of these games that we just went through, and I think that they're underdogs in at least half of them. Yeah, no, I'm glad you cut me off there because that is something you got to look out for. Is this what's coming up in the second half here? Um, We knew it going into the season. It's going to be a hard schedule. Well, it's just going to keep getting harder, especially with the way this this year is going, like we talked about earlier with being week to week with teams, you know, finding their groove. Um, I I also wanted to say I completely agree with the Dolphins. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. Like, I think a lot of people, not just Bills fans, but even analysts that like to support the Bills, I think. Yeah, like league wide. They're right. kind of they're kind of just handing the AFC East over, and I'm like, wait, exactly. hold on a second. Yeah. There's another team here that has a winning record, and they're only like, what I said. I think it's two games back of the Bills, with a game to play head to head still to come. So and that they, could switch easily. And well, and they still play the Jets. They've only played them once. They obviously beat them 24 nothing just last week or a week ago, whatever it was. So they still have a Jets game, which you know that's pretty much a gimme at this point. Tua could. You know, I, I was in favor of if I was a Dolphins fan to have Fitz play because he was playing great, but whatever, that's out the window at this point. Guess who, you know, guess who's one of the big stories of the league this year is 
that Justin Herbert guy, right? So Tua, same draft class, picked ahead of him for a reason probably. If he all of a sudden kind of channels his inner, you know, Tua like that we've seen at Alabama, and he, you know, he comes out and makes plays, doesn't have to be a superhero, but gets the job done, that's a whole different story. Their defense is absolutely flying around. They had like three defensive scores. But yeah, I just want to say don't sleep on them because literally everyone's saying after we beat the – everybody was looking at the game against the Pats. Our game against the Pats is like once we won, now we have that division in control when the Pats are now third in the division right behind you know the other team that no one's talking about. So I'm going to give Miami some props here at the beginning of the season. I thought they were going to be um, – I mean, they still could be you know like a 500 team. Maybe they tip, taper off a little bit, but I'm giving more respect to them because they do deserve it. Um, but that will be down the line. Let's talk about the Seahawks game, which was my early season before the season to start to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. And it just seems like that's, you know, going to be the case at this point. They just keep getting better. Um, one thing I want to know about this game specifically against the Bills is I believe Jamal Adams will be back. So that's, that's like, huge. That's huge already. I love Jamal Adams. I think he's obviously one of the best safeties in the league. I don't think I'm alone on that one. And he's a spark plug for that team, and and it just makes and that defense. He's a big Josh Allen hater. Is he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so and little, and just a Bills Bills like hater in general. He'd always call us frauds whenever he was on the Jets. Right. Um, he's got a big mouth. That he's guy. got a big mouth. He like he's a he's a talker, and I think he like you said. I mean, he's he's phenomenal. He he earned that right to be a talker. He's not one of those. He's not like an OBJ, as I would call him, right? Where he just kind of steals the spotlight, but. You know, we'll shy away from the big moment. I mean, like you said, one of the best safeties in the league for sure. Right, and if 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 you do have to say anything about the Seahawks right now, it'd probably be a little knock on their defense. Well, their best offensive player is now going right, to be healthy, back. so maybe that's why they you know been struggling a little bit. Um, but I mean, I mean, yeah, this is going to be a super tough game. It is at home, I believe, right? It is in Buffalo. Yep. Yep. So and that- and it's a it's a one o'clock kick, which is I think it's a big <laughs> deal for a team that coming west. Yeah, because that's like playing at ten in the morning on West Coast time, and the Seahawks are—they're a primetime team, right? They're always on the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, you know, the the four twenty-five slot with Aikman and Buck. So this is going to be like Bills time zone territory. You're going to be kind of hidden away in the one o'clock zone. You don't got all the eyeballs on you, and you're going to have to play when people are eating breakfast at in your hometown. Yeah, I mean, we saw with the Rams that came over earlier this season, they came out flat. So it's always it's always tough. You know, we don't have fans, but it's always, you know, home field still is definitely a thing, um, especially if we have to travel to Seattle. They do have fans there. So home field definitely matters here. That I want to make that clear. Um, but other than that, I mean, the Seahawks team is just rolling. Russ is looking like the MVP. I mean, I don't really, you know, know if we have to, like, talk about him too. D- DK Metcalf is guy I want to talk about. This guy is a freak of nature who looks like he's going to be the next like Terrell Owens or next Julio Jones or something. He just, he's a, he's a walking highlight reel. I don't know who's going to cover him. Like is Trey white going to be able to cover that guy? Probably not. So they have a lot of weapons out there. Um, I know their running backs are a little bit dinged up with Chris Carson and I believe Carlos Hyde is also hurt. I don't know what the timetable of return on is with those guys, but I think Carson might be back. He's a dynamic uh, running back that just adds to the fire in Seattle. But this comes down to just, I think, Russell Wilson being the best player in the league right now, other than Patrick Mahomes, being a guy that is just a gamer. He goes out there, he wins. Um, and I just think that if we, you know, even if we do make a couple moves at this deadline for defense, first of all, I don't know if those guys are even going to play because there's like, a, you know, that whole like waiting period or whatever it is. 
even if they're not waiting or are they going to be acclimated to the defense. I don't think it's going to even give us that much of a boost, whatever. Even if they do come in, um, I, I just think Seattle, I, I can see them just, you know, rolling on our defense. Um, I see our offense putting up a decent amount of points too. I don't think Seattle's D is, you know, that good. But like I said, Jamal Adams back, I think they make some plays. I'm afraid of Allen turning the ball over, him being a little bit crazy at times, trying to make something to happen. It just doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth, you know, just looking at this game going forward. I think we will, you know, make it interesting and, and make it closer than I think a lot of people will think. Um, I think we opened at like three-point underdogs, and I think we'll be right in that range, to be honest. Maybe, you know, get – maybe lose by like a touchdown or so, but I do think we lose this game. Um, I just think Seattle's too good. They're cream of the crop. And I just don't, you know, see us there. Yeah. I, I see us there in a couple of years, maybe, but right now with the team that we have with the way that we're playing, um, I, I think Seattle wins. I think they put up more than 30 on us. So I, I go a final score here of um, I'll say like 35 to, uh, to 28. I, I think we can score the ball as well, but I think they're just going to, you know, outshoot us in the long run. Yeah, I think that's going to be pretty much the talk of the week this week. I don't think you're going to be the the outsider there with that prediction. Um, I, I think when you look at this game, you got to look at when the Seahawks played Arizona. What was it, two weeks ago now, when Arizona beat them in primetime? If the Bills have any any chance of winning this game, they're going to have to model their game after the Cardinals there. Uh, I know, you know, Kyler Murray hit some deep passes to Hopkins. I think Josh Allen's going to have to be an electric Josh Allen. He's going to have to play like he did against the Rams, against the, the Raiders. He's going to have to hit some deep balls, get that passing game going. Completely different game plan I think they're going to have to roll with here than they did against the Patriots and the Chiefs where they kind of tried to play ball control and you know run the ball, have some long drives. I think they're just going to have to get out there and sling it and say like mano y mano, we're right there with you, Russell Wilson, and we're going to score just as many points as we can. To me. Um, I, again, I don't know how the weather's going to be, what, how, if that's going to have any impact here. It seems like a big trend that's kind of kind of a lot of people maybe have not even talk, been talking about that much with this Bills team over the last couple of games is we've been playing in some you know, questionable weather here. There's a lot of rain, a lot of wind. You know, The Chiefs game comes to mind. Last, this past week comes to mind. Um, you know, Right now, I, I'm looking at it's showing 60s and, and sunny, low 60s and sunny. So if that's the case... I think Early weather for, prediction there from you. Yeah, I think we're in for a shootout. It's probably going to be a little warmer than my apartment is right now, it's looking like. Um, <laughs> but I, I just see this kind of going like the Chiefs game almost, where the Bills will hang around, right, and they'll keep it interesting. They'll always be right there, maybe one right play away. I think the defense will maybe come up with some surprise stops that we're not anticipating. But I think the whole game, and this is kind of how I felt during the Chiefs game, was every time the Chiefs had the ball, it was just like praying that the defense could do something, and it was just hopeless almost, and you just kind of felt like you were like hanging on by a thread. And I feel like that's kind of how it's going to feel almost all game. I think the Seahawks are definitely going to control ball possession. Um, I think they're going to kind of manhandle us a little bit around uh, when they're on offense. DK Metcalf is going to be a handful. Uh, I, I'm very scared about DK Metcalf, especially coming across the middle. Uh, you know, we've had trouble do it, covering, you know, over the middle all year. Hopefully Trey, Trey White's up for the task. I'm guessing he's going to be uh, tasked with covering him. But, I mean, that guy's an absolute animal. He looks like a horse out there. Um, but I, I'm kind of with you, Sam. I think it's going to be closer than a touchdown 
and I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as a 35 to 28. I'm going to say the Seahawks beat us 27, 24. I think we keep it within that field goal, but I, I think it's going to be a game where we're kind of down two possessions with too little time on the clock. Um, so maybe we're in with, within that score. I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt that uh, we'll, we'll at least push if it's a three-point spread. I, I'm guessing by the time Sunday comes around, the public's going to kind of get on the Seahawks. I think the Bills, by kickoff, will be maybe a three-and-a-half, four-point underdog, um, which if they are, I'll probably take that. If, if the Bills get that hook at three-and-a-half or four, I think that's a good bet to take the Bills with the points at home there. But I think the Seahawks do squeak this out in a, in a closer game than people expect, but they definitely uh, cook the defense like uh, a lot of people are going to expect as well. If we do win this game, you, you, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier there, but we're going we're gonna to just have to let Josh do his thing, like you said. You're going to have to let him run loose, and you're going to have to get, I think, John Brown involved. I think you're going to have to get him. He, I think he only had one catch against the Patriots. You're going to have to get him back to his deep threat, John Brown, that he is. Spray, spread the ball out. Get Beasley going as well as he's been doing his whole year. this whole year. He's, shout out Beasley, I want to give, because he's been a phenomenal gamer. And so I think you're really going to have to be able to spread the ball, let Allen work, and come out flying. And I don't want to see, a, a, like you said, during the Chiefs game, or, or I'm sorry, during yeah, during the Chiefs game and Pats game and the way we've kind of played those games with our offense and running the ball and kind of time possession. And I want to see them come out and flying and really put this game in the offense's hands. And what I mean by that is we have to expect this defense that we have to let up points and maybe they do come up with a, you know, a couple of big stops or a turnover, like you said, that we're going to be surprised to see. But I want, this, I want us to start playing the rest of the year where – we're just relying all on the offense and that means going at a fast pace and putting up points as fast as we can. Cause that means we're going to get the ball back even sooner than, you know, than we would, if we're going to take a lot of time to score, that's just leaving our offense with less time on the field throughout the rest of the game. So I think that's the formula we need for these games that are going to be shootouts moving forward is, is run a two minute type offense throughout the whole game and just try to score and get this defense that we're playing Seattle in this case, you know, off their game and a little bit uncomfortable, just kind of run up to the ball and, and score and go quick and, ha- and play with pace and some meaning, mix in runs and, and passes, maybe mix in a few screens, just get real creative with it. But they're going to really have to slice and dice and, and just go and just go gunslinging out there. I, I think that's the formula moving forward. We just cannot rely on this defense to be out there taking up nine minutes per drive, you know, while the other offense is just cooking us and, and running it down our throats. So let Josh out there, let them go fast, let us score points as fast as we can so we can get the ball back and just keep ourselves in the game and then hope for a turnover or hope for, you know, a Justin Zimmer strip at the end or something like that. But it's coming to the point where we're just going to have to hope for the ball and points as much as we can. Um, but I guess that kind of rounds out our preview for that, rounds out our preview for the trade deadline um oh one one question i did actually want to ask for trade deadline real quick is obviously we talked about what we think the bill should get and what they need to do do you think they do it do you think being you know i think i asked you this question last week and we both said yes <sighs> it's getting close to that deadline now obviously we're recording this monday night but like do you think we even if it's a even if it's not really a big move it's just you know a linebacker or a db that's a depth guy do you think we do something trading wise I think we at least make one trade. And I said this 
early in the episode, I want three. I want three new three new defensive players at each level. Uh, I don't think we'll get three. I think that's a little bit unrealistic at this point in the season and the way the landscape of the NFL is shaped out this year. I think teams are going to be less likely to trade, especially since this is the first year where we have seven teams in the playoffs. So I think a lot more a, a lot more teams are still on that bubble right now where they're not willing to sell at this point in the season, especially only being eight games in and thinking maybe if I get to, you know, eight and eight, I will have a shot at the end of the year to grab that seven seed. Whereas before, you don't, you know, last year, years past, I think there's been a bigger discrepancy on who's a playoff team and who's not at this point in the year. Um, so, no, I don't think they're going to get all three. I think they'll make at least one move on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and then I also think – No, I'm, I'm not going to say. I, I was going to say I think we might see Trent Murphy moved. Um, he's been a, like a, t- a talk on the trade market there. I don't really. I think see that that's. I think though. that's more of me wishfully thinking that than actually seeing that happen. But I don't know. Seeing his name thrown around there kind of gets the juices flowing a little bit because I'd be happy about it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I say one. I say one move. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we do do at least one. I. Um, I don't think Murphy will get moved. I know I've I've seen his name around, um, just like you have, but I just I don't know. I don't, I don't see him going anywhere for some reason. Um, I do think we do make one move like you do. I also, and that's also coming from like my you know I'm kind of naive on the tra- NFL trade deadline here. Like I kind of said earlier in the um, earlier in the episode, you know I the Bills haven't really been a, around in this situation at the trade deadline before where they're really buying. And, and last year was even different because I know that they were, you know, they were well off by the trade deadline, but they had a solid defense and on the offensive side of the ball, it was kind of more because Josh Allen wasn't, you know, as developed as he was and there wasn't as many big moves they could have really made. I know that being actually tried to go to after digs last year and they finally got in the off season, but I just don't really know how, you know, how much time really matters in the NFL trade deadline. Like if they can really get that many deals done within the, you know, window that's going to be happening in, like I said, right now, it's obviously happened at the deadlines at 4 PM today. So they obviously don't have, you know, a ton of time. Um, But yeah, I think, I think Bean does make at least one move just because I think he, the pressure and it's just like, if you don't see that we need a defensive move by now, at least to just try to give us some hope for making a run or being a contender or whatever, then it's, you know, something you got to look at. Um, but that kind of wraps everything up. Episode 61, Justin Zimmer, shout out, Maximum Fennigginoff, shout out. Uh, we'll play the Seahawks next week. Hopefully we're talking to you after a W with that, but the Bills do move on to six and two after being the Patriots at home for the first time since 2011. Holy smokes. Um, Go Sabres, go Bills, and have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday.
said, don't give up, it's a little